I thought I was going to have to call in sick this morning after the uh, game last night. Uh, I, oh, I only have one consolation, Michigan lost too, so. But Happy New Year anyway. I believe that uh, the Lord's Supper is important. I don't believe it's a ritual that we attach to the service and that we do it thoughtlessly. I believe every time we eat the broken bread and we drink the cup, we are reminding ourselves that we belong to Jesus Christ. We're saying to Christ one more time, uh, I'm sorry for the mistakes I made last month, but I'm still yours, and I'm still committed to being a follower of Jesus Christ and being a better soul. And because Christ taught us, I believe you ought to come to the Lord's Supper. I, I, I believe uh, it is... Uh, it's what he wants for Christians. Uh, I know you say, Doc, it's not convenient to come on Saturday night. It's not supposed to be convenient. <laughs> Where did we get it in our head that uh, it was supposed to be easy and convenient? It's supposed to remind us of something that was not easy and it wasn't convenient for our Lord. So, uh, uh, Saturday's the first uh, Saturday of the month, and we'll be having the Lord's Supper. And uh, I think you ought to make it part of your uh, calendar for the coming year. I don't believe you will regret uh, having followed Christ uh, and, and taking the Lord's Supper uh, consistently. Our dear Heavenly Father, uh, you show yourself to be so significant. In Jesus Christ, we see the riches of your grace. And I pray this morning that we could see the hospitality of Christ and we could be drawn to him. In Christ's name, amen. I'm afraid we often read the Bible in a very different way than it wants to be read. If I'm not careful, I end up reading the Bible uh, in a way that is um, uh, more organized than life really is. Um, in the story today, Christ is going to feed 5,000 people. And somehow or another, I don't know how I got it in my head, but... When I read this passage, I, I think like uh, uh, everything was orderly, like there was this giant cafeteria, and everybody had their assigned seats, and, and everything went real smoothly. And, but that's really not how the story wants to be read. It was chaotic. Uh, the reason I chose this picture is you, you, you get a little sense of the chaos that was going on. You got 5,000 men there with their families. Uh, you got kids running all over the place. 
you, 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 uh, people don't know where they can sit and where they can't sit. And uh, uh, there is a roar that only thousands of people can make. And Jesus is at the center of this chaos. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. If you read uh, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6 begins with uh, Jesus sending out the apostles, and then they come back and tell him everything that happened, and Jesus said, you guys have worked hard. Let's get away from all of this. And so Jesus and the 12 got in a boat, and they sailed to a wilderness area. Well, people saw them get in the boat, and they saw them sailing, and they started running along the shore, following them. This was supposed to be a time of rest, but thousands of people ran to where Jesus was, and instead of it being a time of rest, it was a chaotic time. Do you know, I hope you understand Rest is a divine idea. Rest is um, wired into the creation. If you read the creation story, uh, God worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Christ wants rest for every one of us. Rest is supposed to be part of our normal Christian life. Can you hear Christ saying to you from last Sunday that Katie did an awesome job on, uh, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. There's something in the human soul that will exhaust itself and only the rest of Christ refreshes that exhausted soul. Christ wants you to rest. He invites you to rest. The trouble is, it's easy for our rest to get interrupted. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by this passage because if, if, if it was my day off and I was looking forward to some quiet time and thousands of people showed up, I'm afraid I would be a little grouchy. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, I mean, you're really looking forward to having that time off. And instead of it being time off, you got a thousand people poking at you wanting something. Oh, how patient Jesus Christ is. When his rest was uh, interrupted by thousands of people, his patience was greater than their annoyance. Do you believe that Christ's patience is greater than your annoyance. Do you ever feel like you annoy God? Anyone? I, I feel like I, I can annoy God. I feel like I, God can say, oh, you again. Oh, this again. Um, but that's not a true idea. You cannot annoy Christ. Uh, no interruption is beyond his patience. Uh, no need is greater than his goodness. 
And in this coming year, don't ever believe that you need to avoid Christ because you're annoying to him. His patience is infinite. And then verse 34 says, Jesus looked at the crowd. And when he looked at the crowd, compassion was stimulated in his heart. And he considered them as sheep not having a shepherd. Uh, Christ didn't look away from the problem. He looked into the problem. Uh, it would have been very easy for Christ to look at these thousands and thousands of people and say, I'm just too tired for this today. It would have been very easy for Jesus to look at this problem and say, um, not today. But the exact opposite happened. Instead of looking away from the problem, he looked into the problem. I don't know what problems uh, I'm going to have this year. You don't know what problems you're going to have. But we all have lived long enough to know that it's always something, right? This year, when you face the challenges of life, I wonder if you could just whisper to Christ, would you look into this problem with me? From your divine perspective, from your divine compassion, from your, from, from your, uh, from your, your, uh, your inclination to do good, would you look into this problem with me? Could we face this problem together? Could we face this need together? Human needs trigger Christ's compassion. This word for compassion is uh, 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 often used in the gospel, and it means uh, pity. I know we don't like the word pity anymore. It means deep sympathy. Jesus looked at this large crowd of people. They were milling all over. Uh, people were talking. It, it, it was mayhem. Uh, he was tired. But he looked into this large crowd of people, and the emotion that he felt was sympathy. He wasn't annoyed. The emotion that caught his heart was a deep sympathy. When Christ looks at us, he looks beyond what we deserve or don't deserve, and he looks at our need. We have a hard time seeing needs because all we can see is what we think people deserve or don't deserve. Oh, they don't deserve that. Uh, or uh, uh, Christ looks beyond what I deserve and don't deserve, and he sees what I need. Can you trust a Christ like that? Can you trust a Christ who looks past what you deserve? He looks past what you don't deserve. That's not where he puts his attention. That's not the issue that captures his heart. It is the need of the human soul that captures his heart 
and triggers his compassion. Christ saw something that nobody else in the crowd saw because before he did anything, the Bible said he taught them. Christ saw that the greatest need they had was to understand life in a different way than they understood it. And so that's where he began. You know, sometimes Christ looks past what we think our greatest need is, and he sees what our greatest need really is. Often, what we need more than the things we think we need is, we need to be instructed by Christ in a better way. We need to understand the way of Christ better. We need to know the heart of Christ better. And so he starts with our greatest need. Ah, but isn't it beautiful? Christ is the most hospitable person you'll ever meet. He makes supper. Um, we've just been through the holidays, and uh, uh, Sharon and I had a wonderful time with our children, and they're, they're so hospitable. Uh, we had uh, Christmas Eve uh, supper at one of my daughter's house, and we had Christmas Day lunch at another one of my daughter's house, and uh, I didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, they were hospitable uh, 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 women. Uh, uh, I ate good food and played with my grandkids, and I, don't e I didn't even take my plate to the sink. Somebody took it for me and took uh, I felt like a king that day. Uh, isn't hospitality uh, delightful? Isn't it, isn't, it, uh, isn't it very pleasant when you get to experience real hospitality? There's, there's, a, there's something delightful about it. Well, here Jesus' life is interrupted by 5,000 people. They're milling everywhere. He had intentions to rest, but... He lives out his principle, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And on this day, he makes it his task to serve these 5,000 families because he is a hospitable person. I wonder, have you ever allowed Christ to serve you? Have you ever said yes to his invitation, to his hospitality. Uh, have you ever heard him say, uh, uh, if you're hungry, I'll feed you. If you're thirsty, I'll give you a drink. H have, you, have you ever heard the great whisper of Christ to your soul? I have a supper for you to eat that is the most delightful experience you'll ever have. Church, Jesus Christ is the hospitable one. He feeds the soul. There is a great supper that he is preparing for all those who love him. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is one supper you do not want to miss, brothers and sisters. And he says, I want to serve you. It is my heart to serve you. If you think... You will ever outserve Christ. You've deceived yourself. He will outserve you 
every single day of your existence because it is his nature. It is his compassionate personhood. He takes great delight in serving his people. Whatever you need, Christ's soul is compassionate enough to share it with you. And remember, you're never a hassle to the great Christ who takes delight in serving you. Interestingly, the disciples were very different than Jesus Christ. Before Christ made the supper that night, the disciples came up to him and said, Ah, uh, hey, it's getting late. And these people have been here a long time. And they're a long way from home. You need to cut these people loose and get them out of here so they can go get something to eat. Uh, Jesus said, no. We're feeding these people tonight. And the disciples said, you got to be kidding. Uh, if we had... If we had 200 denarii, uh, if we had 200 denarii, we couldn't find enough bread in the surrounding area you, to buy. It, you can't be serious. And Jesus said, oh yeah, I, I, I am serious. Uh, we're going to feed these people. The disciples said, okay, first of all, we're in the wrong place. This is a wilderness area. You can't buy enough food for all these people. Then they said, second of all, it's the wrong time. If there are any markets, uh, they're already closed. Uh, they're already shut. It's not possible to do this. They said, there's only one thing you can do, send them away. That's not very hospitable. Huh? The disciples intended to avoid the problem of all these needy people. Christ intended to meet their needs. When I read this passage, I think about us as a church. I think about what kind of church are we going to be in this coming year? Are we going to be a church that partners with Christ and meets the real needs of real people? Or are we going to be like the disciples and say, you know, there's really not much we can do. You know, this really isn't our problem. Uh, 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 are we going to avoid? Or are we going to partner with Christ this year? You see, church? When the disciples should have been partnering with Christ, they were doing the opposite of what he was doing. They were avoiding. And a lot of churches fall into that pattern. God blesses us. We, we, get to, we live relatively blessed lives. Things are going well. And we start looking at the problems and needs of others in a way very different than Christ looks at it. I, I am so grateful that you were uh, uh, generous this Christmas. Uh, uh, we raised enough money to cover the food program for the whole year. Amen. 
Um, Jesus fed 5,000 families that day. We will feed more than 5,000 families this week, this year, uh, because uh, it, you were so gracious in the Christmas offering. Look, I want to be Christ's partner in meeting needs. I don't want to be like the disciples who turn away. And because we are his partner, uh, he, we, more needs show up. Do you understand that? When Christ can trust you to partner with him, he sends you more business. We need, we need, we need twice as many volunteers as we have right now. Our church has recovered from COVID in a lot of ways, but in our volunteers, we really haven't recovered from COVID. Uh, if we're gonna be Christ's partners this year in meeting needs, some of you have to volunteer. Some of you who have gotten comfortable just showing up, you need to raise your hand and say to Christ, this year, I'm on your team. This year, I'm partnering with you. This year, it's gonna be different. I'm not going to avoid the way I've been avoiding in the past. I'm going to engage in serving uh, right alongside you this year. I watched a documentary this uh, a week about uh, an international church, and they had some people who had volunteered at this church, and um, they, uh, uh, they didn't have a good attitude. Uh, and I thought while I was listening to them, uh, when I volunteer, I'm volunteering for Christ. Church? I just happened to volunteer for Christ in this church. But if I, wasn't, uh, if I didn't attend this church, whatever church I attended, I would volunteer because I'm serving Christ. Do you understand that? When you volunteer, you're not serving an organization. Your compensation isn't from the organization. It's from the Christ that you serve church. When I read this story, I think what an awesome thing it would have been to be with Jesus Christ that day when he broke the loaves and the fishes and, 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 and the disciples got baskets and carried it around to all the people. Would that have been an awesome day? I would have loved to have been a volunteer that day. Church, it's no different today. Jesus doesn't show up and break bread and fish, but he does show up, and he works in us and through us, and people eat in the very same way they ate in the wilderness because Christ has worked through us. Church? So all the disciples saw was the impossibility. Jesus said, let's start where we are. What resources do we have? What do we have right now? And they checked and they found out that they had five biscuits and a couple of small fish. Uh, when I read about this uh, this week, uh, I, I used to think of these small fish as maybe something like uh, a little bluegill or something. Uh, 
but this word is closer to a couple of sardines. Uh, they had five dinner rolls and a couple of sardines. Um, and Jesus said, that's all I need. He said, I want you to organize the people into serviceable groups. Have them, have them set down on the ground in groups of 50s and 100s. Uh, remember I said this place is chaos. People are moving around. Nobody knows. And so the first thing the apostles did was they went out and they got everybody organized so they could be served. And then Jesus took the five biscuits and the two sardines. And the Bible says that he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Do you know all great things begin by looking to God and saying thank you? Church, do you want, your, you want, to, you want to live a better year, year this year? Do you really want to live, live a better year? I'm, I can tell you how to start. Look up to God every day and say thanks. Look around at what you have and say thanks. Brothers, uh, new year. Uh, here we go again. Every day. Take your wife's hand, look up to God and say, thank you for this beautiful woman. Church, I think that should be clapped for too. Uh, you brothers are saying, why do you keep bringing that up, Doc? Because I want you to do it. I, I want your home to have that blessing. I want that richness uh, to pass from, from Christ through you into your family. All right. He held the five uh, dinner rolls and the two sardines, and he looked up to God. Uh, I don't know what resources you have in your life, but whatever they are, I believe the best thing you can do is you can hold your resources up to God and say, every good thing I have comes from you. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, every decent thing I have comes from you. Thank you so much. And when I have offered my resources to God, when I've offered my gratitude to God, then I'm in a place where I can start dividing the bread and the fish, like Christ did. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. You see, Christ is very generous. And he, off, he holds his resources up to God, and he says, thank you. And then he says to God, now I'm going to use these resources the way you want me to, and I'm going to count on you to bless me. Church, that is the model of Christ's hospitality. Christ said, every good thing in my life comes from God. I'm holding it up to him. I'm saying thank you. And then I'm going to share it the way he wants it shared. Brothers and sisters, we could be powerful influences for good if we had the same hospitality that Christ had. And we just say, everything I have comes from God. And because God gave me this, he's able to bless it and give me more. And I'm going to be willing to share this year in ways that I didn't share last year. 
because of his great compassion, Christ takes what little we have and meets the needs of many. This is interesting. Sometimes Christ asks you to give your lunch away, but sometimes Christ shares somebody else's lunch with you. Do you see it in the story? On this day, somebody lost their five biscuits and two sardines, and Christ multiplied it and made it possible for 5,000 families to eat. On another day, somebody else shared their lunch, and this boy got a free lunch. Do you see, God isn't one-sided. Some of you have this idea, well, if I'm generous, uh, Somebody else gets all the good stuff, and I'm always the one giving. Uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I would rather be the one giving than the one in need. Amen? Amen. But it doesn't work that way. Christ is never one-sided. He who waters will be watered. He who blesses will be blessed. That is the law of Christ's hospitality. Was there enough? There was enough. And they ate, every one of them ate, and they were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were about 5,000 men. Christ's compassion was more than enough for thousands. And his compassion is more than enough for you. I know some of you brought hard problems with you today. I know some of you are facing serious challenges. I know that some of you have difficulties that uh, uh, are just overwhelming. Uh, I know that some of you don't think you have the resources you need to face what you have to face. But I'm telling you, Christ's compassion is more than enough. His compassion is more than enough. After 5,000 men and their families ate, there were 12 baskets left over. If you were to study this passage, you would find that Matthew the tax collector, Mark the student of Peter, Luke the gentle physician, and John the beloved, all four of them wrote this story into their gospel. It's one of the few stories that is in every single gospel. Every one of them said, this story is so significant, it has to be in my gospel. You remember John said, we didn't write everything down. If we did write down everything Jesus did, the book would be too big for you to carry around. But they said, all four of them, this is so important, all of us are including it in our gospel. All four Gospels tell this story. Why? It shows the compassionate nature of Christ and his divine ability to turn his compassion into action. If I were able, I would convince everyone in this room and everyone online that you have underestimated the compassionate nature of Jesus Christ. You have underestimated the sympathy he has for you. You have underestimated his desire to meet you in every single life need. 
you've underestimated the nature of his uh, divine love for you. This story is here to remind us that there were 5,000 families that had various problems and various troubles and, and various degrees of um, uh, affection for Christ. But Christ didn't vet any of them. He simply said, you have a need and I care about you and today I'm meeting that need. Church, can you believe in that kind of Christ? Can you believe in that kind of Christ? That whatever you brought with you today, Christ cares. Whatever issues you're confronting, Christ cares. Whatever you didn't do that you should have done, Christ cares. Whatever uh, you, you did that you shouldn't, or should have and didn't and didn't and should have, both ways. Christ cares. He's not making you show a spiritual identification card. He's simply saying, I recognize something in your soul that's hungry today, and I want to feed it. Church, I wonder, I wonder, will we receive Christ's compassion for our needs and become his partner in showing compassion for others this year? You see, here's what I know is true. The better I see how good God has been to me, the better I want to be to other people. Church, the more sympathy Christ has for me, the more sympathy I find I have for other people. The more I feel the goodness of God, the more I want to be good to other people. Church, and it all begins by simply saying to Christ, I believe that you are the hospitable Christ. I believe that your soul has great hospitality, and I would like to draw on the goodness of your hospitality. I would like to receive your grace. I'd like to receive your love. I'd like to receive your forgiveness. I'd like to receive your salvation. If you're feeding souls today, would you please feed my soul? And then, and then, we're ready to say, and because you have been so good to me, I want to partner with you this year in showing the very same love for others that you've shown for me. Church, our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hospitality of Jesus Christ. I thank you that his, the riches of his grace are greater than the poverty of our failures. I would like to pray for this church today, Father. I'd like to pray for everyone who's here and everyone who's watching online. I'd like to ask that your Holy Spirit would pass closely enough to them that they can sense your gracious offering. I'd like to ask that you pass closely enough to them that they feel drawn to you, that they feel inclined to open their heart to you.
And then I pray for every need that was carried into this room. I pray for the broken hearts that were carried into this room. I pray for the fears that were carried into this room. I, I pray for the worries that were carried into this room. I pray for the illnesses that were carried into this room. I pray for all the issues that uh, I'm just not wise enough uh, to identify. But I know that if you can feed 5,000, you can meet the need of these hungry souls. And I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I ask you by your great hospitality that every hungry soul would be satisfied this morning through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.